Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everybody out there, welcome back. It's Positively Wrestling. I am Tim Kennard, and joining me as always, the brain to my gorilla, the heel to my baby face, the Lex to my express, Stephen Davidson. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Not much. I'm uh, I'm ready to travel back almost 28 years. Oh, man. 20, almost three decades. When you say it happened. like that, I hadn't thought about that, but man. Yeah, yeah this was when uh, wrestling was still magical for me. Yes. And so yes. Uh, I, I love talking about these shows basically before the Attitude Era. Before the Attitude Era, era, it was magical for me. So anything before that, I'm excited to talk about. Excellent. Well, this is one of our bonus episodes doing a retro review here of SummerSlam 1993. Oh, man. This was a fun show. This really, really was. Um, like I said, talking before we started recording, I hadn't <clears throat> seen this since being a child back then in 90s well not really a child i guess i was a teenager but uh, you were 37 years old let's be real yes 37 and i'm now 41 so yes yes that's that's correct. This is why i teach math yes <laughs> but uh yeah so it'd been a long time long time since i had seen it and uh yeah i mean i really had a lot of fun get right into it uh some notable things of course we had uh vince mcmahon and bobby the brain heenan on commentary excellent team um fun combination yes very classic. fun classic um we opened the show with uh, razor ramon versus the million dollar man ted dibiase and uh it's a good match two great guys uh good in-ring hands um what'd you think uh well this most notably ted dibiase's last match Mm. in the wwf and almost his last match period he had a couple more matches in japan that october and uh besides that he was done if you don't count like the 24 7 match right stuff like that um but this was it for ted dibiase he was uh coming off a tag team title run with irs as money incorporated and Mm -hmm. uh he his back was just too hurt he couldn't do it anymore so uh this was uh the last we saw of him as an in-ring performer he still did stuff with the company for a while he managed steve austin when he was a ringmaster um and and did some commentary so he was still around but this was it as far as his uh in-ring competition and we didn't know it yeah when we were watching it we had no idea um so very notable for that and here we're, we're early in razor's face run mm-hmm. he had been a heel and just a couple months before this had turned face thanks to that angle with the one two three kid where the kid uh-huh. got a lucky win over him um but then he kind of came to respect that and started taking up for the kid and so it turned him face and so this was a i think it was a good match to put together dibiase's on his way out you want to help solidify razor as a face there is no one who was a bigger heel than the million dollar man mm-hmm. and so a nice clean win by razor here um the crowd loved him already though yeah loved him already huge huge pop for basically everything he did yeah um and i just want to talk about you go back and you see this the early uh work in wwe with scott hall um i.e razor ramon and 
it's impressive to think about just he, he had the total package. He really did. He had the charisma. Uh, he had a great look. He was, you know, in great shape. And some would talk about kind of the wasted potential as you look further down at his career uh, with the demons, you know, and, and his, his problems outside of the ring. Uh, and to think about had he not had those problems, how far his career could have gone. I mean, and not, how long it could have lasted. Yeah. How long it could have lasted. Cause I mean, he, no, no doubt. He still had a fantastic run. Oh, sure. Uh, and is cemented as one of the pillars of wrestling history with his involvement with the NWO angle when they went from WWF to WCW back in the day for the Monday night wars. Um, so that's unquestionable, but yeah, when you think about how long could he still be wrestling now, or at least could have been a few years ago, uh, when you look at the longevity, like that the undertaker had with matches. So yeah, it is, it is, it's kind of bittersweet to think about, but yeah, he was fantastic in this match. A great start. Um, and Razor Ramon is to this day, one of my favorite characters ever in wrestling. Yes. Yes, um, definitely. If we if we made a top ten list of favorite characters, he would definitely be there. He might even crack the top five. Mm. Uh, he was so they they almost had the turning face because he was so cool yeah. that everybody wanted to be like Razor Ramon. Yeah, and there was they had no option. They had the turning face because everybody loved him. Um, I love. I also love. DBS did this throughout his entire WWF run that he had different residences depending on what season it was. Mm-hmm. So here, his winter residence was in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. Just little touches, little touches <laughs> to his character like that. He, he, he'd be another one. I mean, I, I, Million Dollar Man would have to be my top 10 characters too. So just, I love this match. Bittersweet being DiBiase's last one. Um, he was he was a big part of my really early childhood wrestling fandom. Um, and so, you know, it's always sad to see somebody like that go. But excellent, excellent idea to put this match together um it did uh, raise her a lot of good and it was a good match to have on the card and a great opener yeah great opener uh so razor gets to win by the way yeah razor gets that. the win yes. <laughs> with the razor's edge yeah we're, uh, we're, by the way we're in auburn hills uh michigan yes for this suburb of of detroit and this is uh, august 30th 1993 yes. this is all taking place yeah, and uh, that's very significant, of course, because up next, of course, we see Todd Pettengill. <laughs> He's interviewing uh, the Steiner family, uh, uh, Rick and Scott's mom and their sister, and they're getting ready to take on the Heavenly Bodies, managed by Jim Cornette. I love and- that their mom could not follow what he was talking about yes and at one point she's just like that sounds good whatever you say say. (laughs) like it it fell apart very quickly yes very fast (laughs) um uh the steiners come out man they're in michigan so i mean good lord talk about being over yeah wow the pop these guys got was insane yeah and um of course, the Heavenly Bodies, Tom Pritchard and Gigolo, Jimmy Del Rey. Yeah, Dr. Desire, Tom Pritchard. Don't That's leave right. that out. That's right, yeah. Dr. Desire. Um, and uh, this was actually it was a really entertaining tag match. I kind of really like this. This was a fantastic match. In fact, this was the first runner-up for the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Match of the Year in 1993. Uh, losing out to Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty from Monday Night Raw in June. 
Wow. So, yeah, uh, this was a very highly regarded match. And uh, I still really enjoyed it. This was a, they had a working, they, they WWE had a WWF, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. had a working agreement with Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And this was part of that. So the Heavenly Bodies, managed by Jim Cornette, came up from Smoky Mountain for this program with the Steiners. Um, the, <laughs> the, the Heavenly Bodies, the, the whole idea behind them is that neither guy is really that good looking. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't have chiseled physiques. They don't look like either of the Steiners. Like the Steiners would be much more appropriately called the Heavenly Bodies than either of these guys. Um, <laughs> but they were great wrestlers. And this was a tremendous, tremendous tag match. It's just well-paced, well-plotted, and well-executed. Uh, I, I remembered loving this match, and I still love this match when I watched it recently. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely uh adored this match some of the highlights for me um during the match i loved because they're in michigan and rick you know how he used to you know do the dog bark and then the entire arena did it and i loved cornette's reaction like oh 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 my god what's going on (laughs) i thought that was hilarious (laughs) i didn't pick up on that i didn't notice that it's it was like a two second camera cut to him real quick okay uh but it made me laugh um i love some of the spots one that I, I thought about it and I was like, man, I don't know that I've seen that since. Um, in retrospect, there was a spot with um, it was the, the Heavenly Bodies. One of them did a slide under in between the legs of, I believe, Rick. Or no, I think it was Scott because it was before the hot tag. And uh, the other one came over with a bulldog real quick. Yeah. And, a little ta- and I was like, man, that was a great tandem move. I, haven't, I don't yeah. think I've seen that. That was simple, simple, but awesome. effective and smart mm-hmm. and sensible. And, yeah. And that's what this match was. Yeah. And I loved, um, I believe it was, yeah. Uh, uh, Gigolo Jim, Jimmy Del Rey uh, doing the float over DDT long before I remember seeing the rock do it, obviously. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And These I, guys could wrestle. Yeah. I love brain's comment uh, when he, he does his scoring of the match so far. So it's 1112 to, to nine in favor of the heavenly body. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very precise system that he used. Apparently. Yes. So he's got, a- I don't know if you're, I'll send you the points. I'll send okay. them to you when we're done recording. Yeah, so if you you've got see. that system, I want to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I still can't, I, I've talked about this before. I cannot get over how this Scott Steiner is the same as the Scott Steiner who went by big Papa pump. Like they, they genuinely feel like two completely different human beings. Yes. Like he carries himself differently. He speaks differently. He wrestles differently. He dresses differently. He looks different. He, he moves different. Everything is different. I don't understand how, how they're the same person. Yeah. It is crazy to think about. I was thinking the same thing in Washington. I was like, man, that's big Papa pump. Yeah. Like 10 years from now, 15 years from now. It's like, Whoa. I, yeah, I I was amazed, amazed. Yeah, but of course the Steiners pick up the victory here, um, and uh, yeah, like I say, great Re- retaining. Great this was for the WWF oh, yeah. tag titles. So yeah, they, they were the current champions, yeah. and and they retained. Uh, but yeah, excellent match. Loved every second of it. Um, of course we get into uh, a backstage promo. With the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels and his bodyguard, Big Daddy Cool, behind him. And um, this is setting up and getting ready to have a match between him and Mr. Perfect. Intercontinental title. Intercontinental title on the line. Shawn's the uh, champion. And 
I mean, this is these two are great. How can you not have a good match with these two in the ring? You know, I never thought it lived up to expectations, though. I thought it was good. I thought it was solid, but it wasn't like a match of the year contender like I would have expected it to be. Part of that could have been the finish. It didn't, you know, had the count out finish where Diesel knocks perfect into the post and causes him to get counted out. So it never really got the chance to heat up into a climactic uh, series of, you know, near falls or whatever, however you want to do it. Right. Um, I, I did think this was solid. Um, this was during Sean's not quite in the best shape phase, which right. might have had something to do with it too. True. Um, but yeah, uh, it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Diesel was just a few months into his run here, so he's still pretty new. Um, and uh, this was really the last high-profile match for Mr. Perfect for a long time, uh, thanks to his nagging back injury. Um, and I mean, for a long time, uh, he he did eventually come back, and you know, he very famously in 2002 Royal Rumble and right. Before that, he did some stuff with Mark Marrow and Triple H in 97, 96, 96. Um, yeah. So he, he came back and had matches here and there. But as far as the run, the Mr. Perfect we think about, this was pretty much it for him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Good match. Not, not nothing to write. And again, I think the finish is probably the biggest thing in there because it is a, uh, a kind of screwy finish. Um, works for the character though so i mean yeah. as far as the story was going that was fine um and i think they intended it to keep going but perfect just couldn't do it just couldn't do it yeah next up uh counterpart to razor ramon of course the one two three kid uh gets a match with um uh irs, IRS. Yeah. yeah this is really an extension of the razor dibiase program yes this is their partners their friends and their partners also having a one-on-one match yes uh and uh, yeah we use a few images here for us of course you guys can't see them and i couldn't find a good picture of irs from the show so there's his uh, wwf action figure <laughs> yeah i had uh, pretty much all of them i think, I think yeah. you pretty much had all of them yeah yeah i remember coming over we used to play with this thing that was hilarious i love <laughs> yeah. them um yeah this match i was all right uh surprisingly irs goes over in this match uh, I didn't think it was that surprising. They were still positioning the kid as an underdog who really was lucky to win matches and had ah. to really, really overcome to get any sort of victory. This was also his first pay-per-view match, Sean Wallman's oh. first pay-per-view, okay. first pay-per-view match. Yeah. Um, well, and appearance. Yeah. Cause the previous pay-per-view was WrestleMania. Um, yeah, so it, it was short, but I thought it was good. I mean, the, the action was good. The execution was good. Um, but yeah, IRS had some credibility to him and some stature to him. And so uh, I, I thought him getting the win here made sense at the time until, you know, Kid could become a little more consistent kayfabe-wise. Right. Um, right. Not performance-wise. His performances were always good. I, I loved Irwin's... I know he loves me calling him that. Um, Mike Rotunda, Mike Rotundo, IRS, whatever you want to call him, uh, Michael Wall Street, VK Wall Street, um, pick him. Uh, just his simple finish, the the right off clothesline. Yes, uh, that, I mean that was his finisher. It was a diving clothesline. He would whip the opponent into the ropes, hit the opposite ropes, and then dive and hit a clothesline. And it just looked so good that it worked. And I love uh, Brain uh, does the uh, kind of 
pro football with the the monitor, the brain. Oh, vision. writing on the screen. Yes, mm-hmm. and we get the ten forty, the write off joke, which I thought was really really great. Yeah, that was very yeah. clever. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, solid match, but short. Uh, I think for me, the reason when I say that surprisingly to me, it's kind of hard when you go back. You're separating the time points of because I had forgotten that this is like at the very beginning of kids run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, if I'd have thought about it like that, yeah, it probably would have made more sense to me um, for IRS winning, but yeah, a decent short match there. Um, we move into uh, Bruce and Owen Hart being interviewed at ringside, of course, talking about uh, Jerry, the King Lawler and where Helen and Stu are there that night while they're not there. That's because uh, they say Stu had surgery, I believe, um, and was at home resting. Uh, and yeah, Lawler versus uh, Bret Hart. And of course, Bret comes down to the ring. Then we get the big surprise, which is Lawler on some crutches, saying that he cannot wrestle You'll never believe what happened to me today. Yeah, but then he does have a replacement, and it's Doink. Doink the Clown, who I always loved Doink. I thought Doink was great. This was the best Doink. This was evil Doink. Yes. This is Matt, Matt Bourne as Doink. Uh, the only match we got between Brett and Doink that I can recall, certainly on pay-per-view, and I don't I don't think we got them. I mean, they may have wrestled on house shows or whatever, but as far as television goes, I think this was it for for these two and i'm pretty good at remembering brett's television matches so yeah i I like this i thought this is a a great little match um of course it leads to more after that and we do get um jack tunney forcing lawler into the ring to have an actual proper match with brett yeah Um, this this, the doing match went i mean i don't know what eight ten eight ten minutes maybe something yeah i believe so I think it's rushed through it. No, Um, like you, you would have thought, okay, this is the, like, I don't think anybody thought that Lawler was going to get in the ring that night after they started this. And especially as long as the match went, you're like, okay, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, these two can wrestle Brett, of course, is, you know, if you ask me the greatest of all time and Matt Bourne could wrestle too. And so, yeah, this was good. It was a means to an end, you know, that it wasn't, it was just the beginning of the story for the night. Yes. Um, Brett gets the sharpshooter on Doink, and then lo and behold, Lawler is able to miraculously walk again. Comes in and hits Bret Hart with the crutch. Yep. Which is what leads Jack Tunney saying, "Hey, if you can walk, then you can wrestle." Mm-hmm. So let's get in there and have this match that we told everyone we were going to have. Yeah. So uh, then Brett gets in there with Lawler, and uh, seemingly pretty quickly, kind of just puts him away. Um, he beats the living crap out of him. Yeah. Uh, Lawler, Lawler does use the crutch to get uh, an advantage for a few minutes. Um, but for the most part, Brett beat the living daylights out of out of Lawler. Yeah, but then he puts him in the sharpshooter and gets the victory and then refuses to relinquish the sharpshooter and gets the victory reversed. So technically, Jerry Lawler gets the victory over Bret Hart at SummerSlam 93. Yeah. Um, also this, notable, especially mm-hmm. in this picture that we're looking at, Bill Alfonso <laughs> is refing of ECW yeah. fame. Yeah. Um, th- this match was for the right to call yourself the Undisputed King. So uh-huh. it would make sense to me 
that they would want Lawler to be the one doing that. I mean, Brett doesn't want that. Come on. Brett doesn't want to be saddled with that. You don't really want a face to be saddled with that because it's such a heel thing. Um, But you don't want Lawler to just beat Brett in the middle of the ring either. Yeah. So this way you got Brett basically getting revenge on Lawler for all the comments he'd been making about his family for the attack at King the Ring a couple of months before that. Um, while Lawler still got to keep, you know, his gimmick and and the stuff that gets him the heat. Um, so it made sense. I mean, this wasn't the end of this feud. I mean, they feuded oh, no, on, no. on and off for two years. It really didn't stop until King of the Ring 95. Mm. With the Kiss My Foot match. Yes. Um, yeah. But great jumping off point for that. Um, next up, a guy that I don't remember liking a lot when I was younger. <laughs> But I really enjoyed on the rewatch Ludwig Vorga. Yeah, <laughs> uh, quite, quite the person. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, of course, he's got a match coming up with Marty Janetti. Um, yeah, what do you think about Ludwig? Um, I thought that as a monster heel, he did a, a good enough job in the ring. Like Marty Jannetty was, was Marty. And I've talked before that he could go in the ring as well as just about anybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, this was a squash for Ludwig Borga. Uh, it, he was new and they're trying to get him over. And even though Marty Jannetty had just been intercontinental champion, they said, Hey, you can squash him. Um, <laughs> so he did. And Marty made it look good. And the, the opponents that Ludwig had pretty much, made it look good um tatanko was a frequent opponent lex luger mm-hmm. was a frequent opponent um but ludwig borga himself was basically a walking piece of garbage ah um jim ross has revealed that he had a nazi tattoo Ooh. on his calf which they made him cover up with boots uh they made him get long uh longer boots to cover that up um he was openly racist he went on to become he was from finland legitimately went on to become a, a politician of some sort wow in finland uh running on racist policies openly being racist and homophobic and sexist and oh wow just n- having no remorse about any of it um, of course, anti-Semitic with the tattoo and yeah, so he didn't last long. Um, he was as big an a-hole as there's ever been wow. in the wrestling business, pretty much. Um, so uh, even his ex-wife, and I found this quote, said after he he, he committed suicide mm-hmm. um, and she even said, I wonder if there was something wrong with me that I didn't mourn. Wow. Yeah, so wow, not a popular guy. Yeah, I didn't um, know any of that. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, so he he didn't last long because nobody wanted him around. And I mean, he, I think other people made him look good. He himself wasn't very good, but you know, when you're in there with people like Marty Janetti and yeah. Tatanka, they they can salvage it and make it look pretty good if you just stand there and swing your arm at him with a clothesline. Um, but yeah, so that was Ludwig Borga. Yeah, so let me clarify when I say I, I liked him in the rewatch. I liked the character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a good idea for a character. And as, I, as like, a I liked the promo, the outside promo mm-hmm. he was talking. I I thought that promo was good. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, I didn't realize any of that about his outside of the ring. Yeah, I thought the idea for the character was fine. And again, I even thought he did a decent job with it. Um, most people, I think, disagree with me. Um, I know Jim <laughs> Ross does and, and said he was just worthless as a performer. And I, I didn't see him worthless as a performer. Um, he, was, he wasn't Marty. Um, right. But uh, he was better than someone we'll talk about in the next match. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely uh, not someone you want in your locker room. Yeah, well, speaking of the next match, of course, it is Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. So what is your problem with The Undertaker? I know, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) how was he around that long? (laughs) (laughs) So I I think I can state from my perspective pretty unequivocally that Giant Gonzalez is the worst wrestler in history. (laughs) Like I, I, I... I just think, I mean, what, his selling, what he mm. sounds like he's being electrocuted no matter what you do to him. Yeah, and, uh, and I agree as far because, I mean, you think about the, the match that we just glazed, because this is a very, it's a pretty quick match. It's not really, doesn't really overstay its welcome. It was a rest in peace match, which they didn't tell us what that was. Yeah. And then when we got to SummerSlam and the match started, they announced it, and it was just no DQ and no count out. That's all yeah, it was. That's all it was. <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah. I mean, he gets beat with a flying clothesline because yeah. that's about the only thing he could bump. Yeah. That's really, yeah. that's really what it was. That's it. It really came down to that. There's not much he could do in the ring. Yeah. Um, well, and, and Undertaker couldn't tombstone him. Yeah. No. Even size. if he was strong enough, he's too tall. Yeah. The size just doesn't work out. So they had to get around that, but you're right. I mean, good Lord. Yeah, he he sold the way Elaine Bennis danced on Seinfeld. (laughs) That's what it reminded me of. Elaine dancing. I love that. That's a great comparison. I love that reference. He was Um, he was not not good in any sense. Yeah. (laughs) And this was pretty much all he was brought in for. He had this run with the Undertaker, Mm -hmm. and that was it. Then he he was in Intercontinental Battle Royal. And uh, that was pretty much it. Yeah. So it's not like he stuck around and wrestled, you know, Brett and Luger and all that. No, just Undertaker, and then he's gone. Good lord. Paul Bearer uh, came back during this. Yeah, match. Paul Bearer does come back during this match. Um, Reclaims the urn from Harvey Whippleman, which allows Undertaker to set up from the mat and then get the victory. Get the power back to win or something. And then we. Uh, we turned Gonzalez's face basically at the end of the match by having him beat up Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> and then he leaves. He has and one more match and then he's gone. And then yeah. he's gone. Um, it's like, hey, we'll turn him face. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to work either. All right, get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we go backstage after this match to uh, promo. You got Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, and Jim Cornette back there. And Cornette is just uh, bitching and moaning about the uh, the tag match that happened earlier. <laughs> and it's classic Cornette, the neck brace, the whole thing. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, get, hyping up for what our main event's going to be later in the evening, which is, of course, Yoko versus Lex. Um, that's just a quick bat. But we roll into the next match is a six-man tag. Um, Tatanka, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, the Smoking Guns versus the Head Shrinkers and Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, what a what a what a group of six. yeah this yeah especially when you just think about careers after this match. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it was great because, I mean, of course, you got uh, Fatu and Samu. Samu. Um, mm-hmm. And they were accompanied by Afa, and you had Luna out there for Bam Bam. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, I had fun with this match. It was, yeah. it was, it hit all the notes that it was supposed to hit. I liked the, um, the triple headbutt spot towards the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. near the finish. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, when they went oh. up, because it had been so long, it's like, oh man, I was like, did Tatanka and the guns lose this match? Is this the finish? And then, of course, he moves, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was good. They they did go into the heat segment really quickly. Yes. I, I, I think it would have been better if they would have had kind of a, an explosive run by Tatanka and the Smoking Guns at the beginning, instead of going straight to playing the babyface in peril, um, which I think slowed it down a little bit. I mean, all six of these guys can move and can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I, I do think it could have been a little more exciting than it was. It got good towards the end. Um, Tatanka rolls Samu up to get the three count. I don't think, though, and I, I don't know if anyone's ever said this out loud. I don't. I, I like the smoking guns. I always did. I don't think they were ever truly over. Hmm. Uh, I, you know that I, and, and people have said to say, well, what about when Sonny was with them? I was like, well, Sonny was over. <laughs> Sonny was over. Exactly. Sonny That's why w- she was put with them. Sonny was over. It didn't matter who you put her with, then they right. were over. The only exception to that maybe is when she was with Legion of Doom 2000. Right. Just because it's the freaking road warriors. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Then you're happy to see all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except, well, me, not one. There's one I just... I just <laughs> right, 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 yeah. <laughs> Poor Hawk. Poor Hawk, man. Um, but yeah, but no, I, I don't think they ever drew. I don't think anyone... Like, I think people liked them, but mm-hmm. I don't think people were at all invested in them. Like, if they won, great. If they didn't, I who cares what's next? Right, right. Probably not. So, probably not big merch movers. Right. You know, yeah. where people are like, oh, I am here for the smoking guns. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, if they were against, you know, the body Donnas, then people were for the smoking guns because the body Donnas were heels because they were faces and heels. But I don't think people were invested in the smoking guns. Of course, Billy Gunn, you know, eventually people were invested in Billy yes. Gunn. Um, and then Fatu, Fatu went on uh-huh. to become Rikishi. Yep. Um, so Bargun went on to get leveled by Butterbean at WrestleMania 15. But he did tear through and ruin a lot of plans on the way to doing that. He did. <laughs> In the he ball did. for all. Plans and careers. Yes. Oh. Yeah. We got what well, we're going to have to do a show on the brawl for all at some point. Oh god, you can make me watch that again. Yep. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, so pretty standard. Uh, you're right, it did seem a, a little rushed and maybe that's maybe it was just a time constraint thing since the main event is coming up next. I don't think the match was rushed because it went over 10 minutes. I think, I just oh. think they rushed to the heat segment. Oh, so, okay. No, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think we could have had a good three or four minutes at the beginning with just exciting action where the faces were overwhelming the heels until one of them got caught and then go to the heat segment. But it went to the heat segment really, really fast. And I thought that was ah, odd, especially for how long the match did go. I gotcha. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, of course, Tatanka picks up the win in the end. Um, Cause he like was undefeated. They- at this and point still undefeated at this point because like i said they went for that triple uh headbutt uh from the three corners and and miss and then he ends up uh i can't remember who he pinned um samu samu and he ends up yeah, pinning he rolled, him, rolled him up yeah do you remember who ended the tonka's undefeated streak 
Um, it was a big deal. Was it Borga? It was. Ah. Yep. They gave it to Ludwig Borga. Yep. Mm. Pinned him with one finger. Oh, yeah. That's, ah, uh, yep. Yep. Man. Hindsight on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> of course, back in the day, we've talked about this when they had the hotline yep. and everything. Uh, we go backstage and we see Brett and Undertaker in full garb <laughs> after their matches. The Undertaker's the one that makes me laugh the most. Undertaker's in his entrance, like he's got the hat and the coat. He's the whole thing, man. <laughs> um, and uh, Imagine he's saying on the phone, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> and of course you got Rougeau there, who's back there as basically the, the person running the uh, the yeah. hotline Raymond Raymond Rougeau Raymond yeah. Rougeau um, and yeah I just thought that was <laughs> it just made me chuckle Brett's got the leather jacket he's just, <laughs> like, he's, why did they put that stuff back on I don't understand yeah. it's like what it's like gotta be on camera what well, I'll just put a t-shirt on no nah, man it's gotta be it's gotta be ring attire <laughs> yeah get your okay. gear <laughs> get your gear on Brett's um, like I've already wrestled twice <laughs> uh, and I love the as we look at this picture, I love the decorations uh, on yes. the table. This is just, man. Oh, six American flags. Six, six. American six. We're going all out yes. for uh, for our xenophobia. Oh, goodness. And, and for all we know, there could be nine. I can't see the edge of the picture. There might be another one. On oh, there. yeah. <laughs> right, right. What we're looking at, what we can see, there are six American flags on this table. Yeah. So next we have our main event. And... Um, <laughs> It starts off, we get uh, the Japanese national, an- national anthem. Which people booed? Like, why? <laughs> why? I mean, I get it. You're, you're doing the whole USA versus Japan thing. Yeah. It was the climate at the time. But you're still booing a national anthem. Like, that's not. We right. weren't at war with Japan yeah. <laughs> in 1993. That was long finished. Like, it would make sense, like, if Fuji was singing it. Yes. Then you're booing the character singing Right. But there's just some rando dude that yeah. like here come in and, and sing the, the now, national he didn't anthem. Do a great country. job. <laughs> like his voice was cracking. And I'm sure he, that's purposeful. I'm sure that was all planned out. Um because you don't want him to go out there and sound like an angel. <laughs> and people are like, well, actually that guy's really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, which gets the crowd riled up. And then of course, Macho Man Randy Savage, the master of ceremonies for this match, comes out. Decked out in full, I am USA good to go yeah. <laughs> colors, and brings out Aaron Neville um, to sing the national anthem for the USA. Very popular pop star back in the nineties. Yes, yes, very distinct. Everybody sound. plays the fool. Yeah, yeah, was his big solo hit. But he he was part. He had the Neville brothers, so he had you know. Yeah, I, mean, I like Aaron Neville. Yeah, I like the yeah. music. Um, mm-hmm. And again, he does a, a great version of the national anthem. Yeah, and you know him when you hear him. Nobody else sounds like Aaron Noel. Yes. Yeah. Very, very uh, distinctive sound and the way he would kind of vibrate those notes at the end. And he did the national anthem instead of America the Beautiful, which was interesting because Vince always goes with America the Beautiful. Yeah. And I think because they wanted to do the national anthem for Japan, that spot, it only made sense for them to do the national anthem for America rather than America the beautiful. I guess. I don't know if anyone would have really put that much thought into it, but I, I definitely noticed it. 
Yeah. Um, of course, Yokozuna versus Lex Luger, the Lex Express. Uh, of course, this match kind of got spearheaded into. There was the um, the spot they were on. I think one of the aircraft carriers, uh, USS Intrepid, the USS Intrepid, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like a July Fourth of yep. July, mm-hmm. a body slam challenge, basically kind of thing with Yokozuna, yeah. and Lex got the body slam, and yeah, everybody in came dramatic unglued. fashion, dramatic fashion, because Crush was the favorite to do it out of the people they announced was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And he, he picked Yoko up, but couldn't turn him and slam it. And there was nobody left. He was the last one. Lex drops onto the USS Intrepid in a helicopter. <laughs> like, why are you late? <laughs> yes. You knew we had a start time. If you wanted to do this, why are you, what if, what if we'd left? Yeah. What if they'd shut the cameras off? <laughs> yeah. What if we were done? In so, kayfabe. Um, yeah. So you're lucky, Lex. Um, you could have killed someone. Yeah. Yeah. With totally. the helicopter. Like, what are True. you doing? But uh, he he walks in and uh, gets the body slam. He said Yoko made it the easiest thing in the world. Um, and uh, that was his face turn. He was a full-fledged heel up until that moment when suddenly... He was he was a raging patriot. He never mentioned being like all American made ever in his yeah, career. It, it was the narcissist gimmick, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a narcissist before this. Yeah, and now he's using stars and stripes forever as his entrance music. Like, yeah, what? what? Because he got tapped to kind of be the new Hogan, because Hogan, of course, had famously retired, um, and they they thought lex was the guy and this was the kind of the jumping point but yeah it was kind of abrupt it was just one day he's narcissist the next day body slamming yokozuna and now he's usa a-okay um now and the lex express we need to talk about that yes yes that was a thing that was a real thing yeah he went across country in a bus (laughs) yeah visiting fans and going to different towns and cities and trying to get over <laughs> yeah basic enemy that's kind of what it was <laughs> that's what it was yeah they wanted to get him over and like well if we get him in there with the public show him he's a nice guy and maybe you know do that the whole goodwill publicity tour across the nation that it'll work and it, it did to an extent i mean yeah. it, it's it, it's it's <laughs> it's almost appropriate that he was suddenly you know like american made because he he was canvassing like a politician i mean mm-hmm. that's what politicians do when they're running for office yeah that's if you're running for president you're going around to the different cities and and convincing or at least trying to the people that live there that they're important to you and that you want to meet them and know them and that's exactly what he was doing but much like the smoking guns i think the audience liked him but I don't think they fully bought into it. Yeah. Like I say, they want, he obviously did not become the next Hogan. Um, That is something that's very, very hard to achieve. Yeah. Um, You can't handpick that. That just has to happen on its own. It has to be organic. And, and at the time though, I think as far as the thinking of management and Vince McMahon himself, and, and to an extent, he probably still thinks this now is that he makes the talent that if you put him in the right gimmick boom they'll they'll succeed especially like at this level um but it only works fully again if you do it organically 
I believe. Yeah. Um, when you look well, at and, the rock and stone cold. Yes. You know? Yeah. Or, or Cena. Or, Cena. Yeah. Whoever. Lex, he had been a heel. So the crowd was used to booing him. And they already had a guy. Yeah. Brett was their guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they liked Lex, but they liked Brett better. And in 1993, 94, 95, Brett was the guy. And that, that's who the crowd wanted. And I think right before this, Vince kind of got that idea that it wasn't working for Lex. Because he wins this match. But he wins it via countout. Right. Um. So, yeah, and he gets his big celebration. Uh, the Steiners. <laughs> he celebrates conquer. like, he, I don't know, like he just, what? single-handedly destroyed Osama bin Laden in the yeah. future and then came back to tell us all about it or something like yeah it, I mean, the celebrate like there's balloons from the rafters it's carrying him around on their shoulders all the faces big run USA the flag it's yeah because you got the Steiners coming in you got Tatanka of course Macho Man's there yeah um which is actually a little foreshadowing um because after the match uh we get the the music video for Lex, which was yep. again ridiculous, uh, and then we come back. Yokozuna's still out cold on the outside of the ring, <laughs> which was a great little touch. And, and at this point, he needs medical attention. Like if you're unconscious yeah. for as long as this celebration went on, there's an issue. Like there's an issue because you got hit with a forearm. <laughs> yeah, it's got a metal plate in it, but still, still. It wasn't Still. like a sledgehammer. Like it's, it's a metal plate. <laughs> it, yeah, it's metal plate covered by sausage, basically. Come on. <laughs> um, <Ew>. <laughs> or hamburger. Um, but uh, then we go backstage, and you know the faces are in the dressing room, and they're all yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lex is like, you know, I'm proud to have gotten a chance at the the championship and represent America. And lo and behold, another appearance by Ludwig Borg. <laughs> coming in to basically challenge Lex, tell him he's not impressed with him and that he sees him as the backbone of America and he's going to break him. Very Rocky Four. <laughs> it was. Um, and this, of course, later this year at Survivor Series, we would get Lex, the Steiners, and Tatanka versus Ludwig, Yoko, and the... Um, oh, the Canadians. <laughs> Oh, the Quebecers, yeah. Quebecers, yeah, the Quebecers. Yeah. Um, at, at Survivor Series. So, yeah. Uh, interesting that, the, you know, we kind of got sh- little bits of that set up at the very end of this pay per view. It um, was when they planned things months in advance. Yeah. <laughs> they knew where they were going. You know, in August, they knew where they wanted to be in November. It's not yes. like, it's not like now where you, right. You're at WrestleMania and, and the next Monday, you're like, what are we doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Vince will tell us at seven o'clock. I'm going to say we wrote a bunch of stuff down, but only about 10% of it's going to stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I, I, I like this match though. Yeah, no, the match was good. The match Yoko, was man, fantastic. Yoko can move for, for a dude, his size, man. Yeah. And he can bump and mm-hmm. he could, he could take a, a back bump and then get up pretty quickly. To, yeah. to to you know keep feeding a comeback or whatever and um 
And Lex is one of those, I think he's underrated. He's not one of the greatest of all time, but I think he's better than, he was better than people wanted to give him credit for. I think a lot of people discredit him because of stuff that happened after. After, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Um, And being a big muscle guy, I think sometimes a lot of people in an effort to, to maintain their imagined credibility don't want to admit that a big muscle guy is not a bad wrestler. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I thought he was much better in the ring than people would give him credit for. Um, but yeah, no, this match was great. And I mean, Yokozuna pound for pound, one of the most agile dudes on the roster. When you talk about a guy, his size, yeah, like Bam Bam's the only other one of Mm. that biggest stature that I think can move that well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I thought, again, I thought the match was put together very well. Um, bumped well, mm -hmm. they, nothing looked phony it all looked pretty real the the nerve hold there was a nerve hold that yoko got for a while that slowed it down a little bit right i mean i I love i love fuji on the outside of the ring um at one point uh did i hear birds i'm sorry did i hear birds in the background there are some birds chirping outside (laughs) my window right now tell them to keep it down Hey, chill out, guys. <laughs> We're recording a podcast here. What's going on over there? I don't know. It's like a rat. on the walls or something. Not on the walls. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mr. Fuji, Fuji yell, yelling, uh, yes, Yoko, beat him up more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, why didn't he shout it in Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> well... Kayfabe, I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not kayfabe. Yokozuna wasn't Japanese. <laughs> no, he that, wasn't. That's a Samoan right there. Um, <laughs> Which I mean, made it even better at WrestleMania yes. 9 when yeah. Brett was wrestling Yoko and the crowd was chanting USA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you're really... Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't really work. <laughs> what are you chanting for? But, um, but yeah, and, and if I'm not mistaken, Yokozuna part of like he's related to the rock or the rock is related yes. to him. Uh, yes. That whole big and, and Roman reigns. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, I mean, you talk about a dynasty of a, of a family. Lineage. Yeah. I can't keep track of exactly how everybody in that family is related to each other. There are just too many of them, but yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. He was part of that family. And that's amazing. Uh, um, Rikishi and the Usos and yeah. yeah. Uh, Tamina. No, wait, not Tamina. Tamina. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Tamina. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. 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 Um, She's Jimmy Snuka's daughter. Maybe I think she's related somehow too, right? Is she? Hold on, now I'm going to look that up because now I'm maybe I'm it's a second guessing. Of, yeah, maybe not. I she's always associated like Naya. Naya, of course, is part of that family uh, lineage. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure about. Tamina. Okay, yeah, Tamina is considered a cousin to The Rock. <sighs> okay, yeah, it's really hard to keep track of. Yeah. So good Lord. Yeah. Lineage, that family is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought a great match by the two of these, a good, a good main event. Um, yeah. I think this is kind of a forgotten SummerSlam. Hmm. We don't, we don't hear about it a lot. People don't talk about this SummerSlam. Uh, part of it's probably no title changes. Like nothing really monumental happened. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There, yeah. No, no titles show. change hands. Yeah. Um, no all-time great matches. Like the tag match was a good match for 93, but 
nothing that was so great that, you know, it, people are still talking about it and they're showing highlights of it on the network or sorry, Peacock um, yeah, or anything like that. So, but I didn't think it was bad. I thought the first half was overall better than the second half, but it slowed down a little bit with giant Gonzalez and Ludwig Borga, I think. Um, but overall, I thought it was a, a good show. Yeah. Uh, I definitely give it a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Um, what it was a th- lot of people I liked mm-hmm. wrestling each other, with a couple of exceptions. Yes. Uh, uh, that's the simplest way I can think to put it. A bunch of people I like wrestling each other, again, with a couple of exceptions. You, you were going <laughs> to say something. Oh, no, I was, was going to say... Um... Oh, no, I don't even know what I was going to say now. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, again... Oh, no. What was, what was your favorite part? Your one favorite moment in rewatching this that you enjoyed the most? Um, it's just like the thing, the thing I loved. Is that what we're doing now? Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the thing you loved? Um, I am going to say, mm, I'd forgotten to think about this ahead of time. Do you have one ready? Uh, for me, it's definitely just the quick backstage shot of the, the hotline stuff. <laughs> Cause <laughs> okay. For me, I always like to pick something that was just really entertaining uh, for me. And usually it's the humor and, or something, a little inside joke. That was for me is when they showed him backstage with Undertaker and Brett fully garbed out at the table. <laughs> that, that is pretty funny. Uh, I think for me, it, unknowingly seeing DiBiase's last high-profile match and just seeing him put somebody, a future star over on the way mm-hmm. out in convincing fashion, in strong fashion. Um, and he, I mean, he didn't look like a guy who was too hurt to wrestle anymore. Yeah. No, I mean that you would not have thought watching that this was it. No, I agree. It's like, there wasn't like, Oh, he's moving slower or Mm-mm. he's at the end of his career. No, 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 none of that was apparent. It's how good he was. Um, I'd say probably for both of us universally the tag match, probably our favorite match. Definitely. Of my the favorite night. Match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No. Uh, again, SummerSlam '93 was a lot of fun. I really like that one. Um, yeah. I like when we do our little retro reviews, and especially when they reach back into the 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 golden age, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of wrestling, we've got some uh, more uh, retro reviews coming up in a little bit yeah. when we can find time to record another one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, of course. Thanks for joining us today. Um, our regular show, of course, dropping on Fridays now. Uh, so whenever you are listening to this, the upcoming Friday at 6 a.m., we'll have our latest episode online for you and ready for your listening pleasure. Uh, everybody, uh, have fun out there. Take care. And uh, we'll talk to you soon for our regular, regularly scheduled episode right here on Positively Wrestling. USA, USA, USA. Who are you cheering for? 